Welcome to the NS North podcast. My name is Adrienne Marshall, and I am joined tonight by my co-hosts Dan Byers and Philippe Cascra. How are you, Phil? I'm great, and you? Good, thanks. And yourself, Dan? I'm really good. For tonight's episode, we have Gwen Weston, one of our speakers, joining us. How are you, Gwen? I'm doing good. Thanks for joining us tonight. Happy to be here. Glad to have you. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? What do you do? Yeah, um, so I'm from New York, but I have been in the Bay Area for about two and a half years, and I've been doing iOS work for about three years now. Uh, I basically taught myself uh, with Stanford's iOS courses during summer vacation in college one year. Oh, wow. What did you study at college? I studied math. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, so... Tell us a little bit more. It looks like you work at Plan Grid out in the Bay Area. What kind of work do you do there? Actually, um, I have very recently left Plan Grid, but before that, I was at Plan Grid for about maybe two and a half years as well, uh, where I was working on version control for construction blueprints, basically working on um, uploading very large high-fidelity blueprints uh, having a blueprint viewer with like lots of annotations and being able to sync changes across different devices. But uh, right now, I'm actually striking out on my own and working on some app ideas. Wow, that's quite the scoop then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know how seriously I'm trying to pursue, like I guess, the indie career, but I'm enjoying taking my time like trying to learn Swift and picking up Sketch to try to do some design prototypes and... I'm, I'm really interested, I guess, in like learning how to build a product from end to end, because when you work at like a bigger company that's trying to scale up, you kind of work in features in isolation, right? You kind of are given this project and you work on this project, but you don't really see the whole system holistically. Whereas if you're building the product yourself, you have to like kind of be aware of all these different things. You're like building the architecture and trying to figure out like what are good technical choices versus like the time trade-off. But at the same time, you're also doing the design and trying to figure out how to do user testing to figure out like what designs work and what doesn't. And I actually really like enjoying or I like juggling all these things right now and um, seeing how everything fits together to make a whole product. So how quickly, uh, after, I, I take it you got into software development after you finished your, your undergrad in math, or was there a different yeah. progression well, there? the story is a little uh, funny. So like I said, I taught myself iOS programming um, in the summer during college, and it's because I was studying Chinese, and I was like somewhat conversational, but I wanted a more immersive experience to kickstart my learning. So I set my iPad's language to Chinese, and... Uh, played video games. Wow. You're right? so talented. And so I was like playing uh, this game, Final Fantasy 3 in Chinese, and I started like uh, writing down all the new vocabulary that I was learning and making flashcards and whatever. But at the time, the flashcard apps uh, that were available on the App Store kind of like irritated me for one reason or another. And so instead, I was like, you know what? I know, like I had taken like one intro to see programming class and I thought I was like really good at it I was like oh I did so good at this programming class but it turned out like in hindsight the class didn't even like teach like me what pointers were so I had like very little knowledge but I was like oh yeah I know C objective C should be like really easy on top of that so I just like kind of forced myself into making this Chinese like studying app so I could finally have the workflow that I wanted and since then um that was like about yeah, I guess like two, three years ago, uh, 
every time I look at that like original app, I like look at the code and I'm like, oh, that was horrendous. What was I doing? And I scrapped the whole thing and I just started over. And I think I've done this two times, like just scrapping the whole code base and starting over from the beginning being like, okay, now I'm so much better and I've done this so many times. I should be able to like build it up from the ground up like stronger, but also like faster. And each time that is so untrue. <laughs> Wow. we've all done that we, we realize how how dumb we were it's not just that it's the the fact that you're building essentially a prototype and prototypes are designed to be throw away so exactly and iterations upon your original product that's incredible well i guess i, I, I didn't really think about that like you know prototypes are designed to be throwaways i was thinking i was like okay i'm gonna build the most complete feature set ever so then i never have to work on it again everyone can use it and it'll be good for everyone when like when you try to design things and that like and like now that i uh i guess have more experience when you try to design these experiences that are like good for everyone you end up building like such a big huge product that is actually very confusing to learn how to use mm-hmm so you mentioned that you're exploring going freelance or going indie. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us and can you tell our listeners some of the resources that you're finding are super helpful at this time? Um, so I guess I'm trying to learn. I, I've done some Swift, but I haven't done a lot of it in production code. And there is uh, this website that Chris Idoff uh, set up called pomo.tv where he like has a bunch of talks like all the iOS talks ever um, just like listed in this big directory and I've been finding that really useful kind of like seeing like a list this like table of contents of like all the talks that have been recorded um, to like go through and be like oh I don't know what lenses are in Swift let me like look that up or I don't know what associate types are so that's been really great and also um, as for like the design part of like learning how to use sketch I had like had no design experience whatsoever I'd only like dabble like the littlest bit in photoshop with in like middle school and so opening up sketch was like originally very intimidating but uh i kind of just like searched for like tutorials on how to use like sketch to design an ios prototype and i learned that they have this ios template where you like open up this template and you can basically drag and drop like a navigation bar or a button or a label kind of like as if it was interface builder except in sketch and i'm like oh this isn't actually so different from coding an interface builder at all it's just the same kind of like process of dragging and dropping and changing colors except you're in like a design program that's more made for this where you can uh like duplicate interfaces and like try out different things and so uh kind of just i think less so on the resources part and more of like giving myself permission to like not necessarily have to make the first iteration of what I build like perfect and beautiful and being okay with like experimenting and trying different things and like scrapping things. I kind of wish though that there is some kind of like GitHub workflow for sketch. Cause I yeah. like, I'll often be like, Oh, this is great. But now I want to try something completely different and put this on a branch. I'm like, I could put like the sketch, folder in a git repository but that sounds like a little i don't know that sounds a little heavy-handed but maybe i should try it well you, you've been working at plan and the files were a lot bigger than sketch files so i'm sure you can handle that <laughs> <laughs> i'll just write a server that like syncs all my changes and exactly. have, it'll be great so is is your the, the new apps that you're working on uh, for yourself are they all written in like entirely swift 
Yes, yes. That's been something that I've like constrained myself to, kind of like full on immersion, all swift. And yeah. um, I remember like one of the things that I kept getting tripped up on was I kept trying to do this like one to one conversion from Objective C to Swift, right? Like I was like, all right, I'm going to write Objective C first, and now I'm going to comment out those lines and rewrite it in Swift. And because I guess that was what my conception of Swift was. It was just like Objective C with like slightly different syntax, but that's actually kind of wrong, <laughs> like the wrong way to approach it. And instead, I found this article series. Um, the blog is called Crunchy Development. And uh, there's like a series of four posts where it actually starts off with this like Objective C code sample. And then we'll be like, all right, you would think that what you would do is do this like one to one mapping, but first like look at this thing like look at your um like one of the examples was you know how in swift you can do like if let if let if let and then you kind of have this like whole pyramid right the, the cascade of shame we call it oh wow <laughs> that that is a shameful name isn't it um and i think that's like one like the beginning traps of like using swift is that you kind of have this i guess cascade of shame and you're like oh god this is even like harder to read than objective c why would you do this but instead the idea is not to like translate it into that big pyramid but to use things like guard to like return early when something is nil and i'm like oh okay so it's not that it's a one-to-one parrot like translation it's that you kind of like have to think in this new paradigm of like checking for nils and escaping early and such and kind of trying to figure out like what are the tools that you don't think you're going to need um when like learning Swift. So that's kind of what I've been doing. Like to like writing my apps entirely in Swift is like kind of my way of trying to like pick those things up as I go. Stepping back a little bit about the design, uh, you've been doing iOS work for a little while now. So you've been through um, a couple of OS transitions. Did you find that, or is it your impression that the the pure aesthetics of iOS 7 and 8 make it easier for a new designer or make it, uh, it's it's still difficult? Oh, no, it's great. Like, I don't have to think about, like, how to do a gradient. Um, I don't have to think about how to do shadows. Like, even just, like, coding that programmatically with, like, CA layer, um, doing gradients and, like, uh, shadows are really, are really annoying to do. Like, just kind of, like, a lot of tedious code to type out. And so, like, this whole flat design is actually really easy for me because all I have to do is, like, okay, I just have to pick the right colors to make it seem like there's dimension to this thing but I don't have to think about any other details. And so I actually really like that minimalism. And the, the, de the default componentry really do, really does look good as well, right? So you don't have to worry about creating your own, all your own controls to create a unique looking app. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So did you find that um, starting from scratch with your wireframing and mock-ups uh, through Sketch, like, do, do, you, do you find... Do you expect to be able to, or to, to need to bring in a, a separate designer for this, or do you, are you going to try and handle it all your, yourself for the design and, and development? Yeah, I'm definitely going to try to handle it all myself. Um, awesome. Though that is kind of like one of my things where I'm like, I can do everything. And so I try to do everything. And then like five months later, I realized like, oh, I didn't go as far as I thought I would doing everything. But in any case, even if it ends up that like trying to do all the design myself, like sets me back I think it'll be a really good learning experience and so far like even though I've only done like a couple prototypes it's been great because I've realized that my previous workflow before using sketch was that I would actually just do all the experimentation in code right I would like 
write up all this like ca shape layer code trying to like make this thing have a shadow but this thing not and like doing animations to see like what looked good but writing up all that boilerplate code is a lot slower than just like moving around a few pixels in one of these design programs so so far like at least in this way it saved me a lot of time did you find that um did you ever use paper pro prototyping i did like you mean like drawing things out right Yeah, and then doing little cutouts and then moving things around. Oh, I I have not gone to the level of like, I guess cutting it out, moving things around. Can you tell me more about that? Well, it's uh, you know how you would arrange your apartment if you don't have a computer. You would arrange your apartment by doing little paper cutouts of your furniture uh, from the top down, and then you would just move them around. Well, no. you could design interfaces like that, and then have just uh, UI elements. They even have still little stencils that you can draw very quickly, and then you make sheets of paper and then that's what you that's what your ui looks like and you can say well i'm moving from this to this to this and these are my transitions and these are the different states and uh, it's kind of handy because it doesn't take a whole lot of time and it's uh it's uh different than being on a computer mvp prototyping yes. interesting yeah i've not heard of that but that sounds really cool i've got to try that It costs uh, not a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except for the time you take to initially, like, I guess, cut out all those, uh, like, interface elements. Every time I've tried it, it was more relaxing because I would I could focus more on what I wanted to do long term than because there's a cost to it. Right. So you think about it a lot more. So that's what that, that's what great about it. You, you just just think about your stuff because you're working with your stuff. It's really hands on. It's really tactile. I really like it. So aside from your work on your new projects, um, can you tell us a bit about your work in the iOS community? Well, I'm not really sure. I've done a lot of work in the community. I have given a couple of conference talks this past year well, at like iOS Dev. Oh, okay, I, I don't know. I guess when you, when you say the word community, I'm like, like I think like open source stuff, and I'm like, I have not done any open source stuff. Like, it kind of terrifies me a little. There's there's open source, of course, but there's yeah. also your local community. Like I know there's a local Cocoa Heads and, and Escorter Nights in San Francisco, uh, and there's also the global community. I mean, we've met in Spain, and I, we talked about version control on on large files over glasses of wine. That was kind of cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, well, yeah, I guess I've um, I have given a few talks this past year uh, at like iOS WK and, and Spain where I met you uh, and also at Swift Summit and like also the Swift language user group here in San Francisco. And it's been great because I find, I find like the audiences are usually very receptive to me being like, I haven't done a lot of Swift, but here, here are my thoughts. And um, in fact, one of the best stories from this conference, these conference talks was that I, my first talk was on something called background downloading, where uh, as of, I think it was iOS 7, Apple introduced this new functionality where you could have your app closed, but you could still have like downloads in the background um, going. And then when they would finish, they would start your app back up in the background to do whatever processing you need which was particularly helpful for PlanGrid because, you know, people would have these large blueprints that they would need to have synced to their devices, but it would take so long that without background downloading, they would have to, like, plug it in and keep their energy settings so that their screen never turns off, which is, like, huge security concern or whatever. And so I spent, like, six months um, kind of in isolation working on this feature at PlanGrid, and finally, like, at the end of it, 
in like September, I was like, oh, here's how it works and all together, this is how it is. But it was like this very complicated feature because I had to have these like SQL databases to like remember the metadata for these requests so that when the app started back up, I could be like, okay, this download is associated with this request and whatever. And more than implementing the architecture for background downloading was like implementing all these tables and having all these um, requests come back and be recreated after the downloads finished. And so I wrote about this in my talk and I gave my talk and it, like the video was posted and someone on Twitter tweets me being like, oh, did you know that you could use the NSURL protocol API <laughs> to persist tasks, like persist this information for you? And I'm like, no, no, I didn't. Oh my God, if I had known this like months earlier, that could have saved me so much work and be so much cleaner. But it's like, it's amazing. Like the way how like when you share information and um, people can like, respond and be like give you these ideas that you just don't think about and like ideas that you wouldn't have gotten from your coworkers, and that's why I think it's great to be involved in the community because you just like learn that much more it's a common thing in Coco that if you're you're thinking about doing something and it sounds hard maybe you're doing it wrong (laughs) (laughs) yeah I've heard that so many times I also have heard so one the friend who told me that one is like the she my friend Jessica is like says that a lot like if it's hard in Coco you're probably doing it wrong and another thing she says is um, never use Stack Overflow always use Apple documentation and if you can't find it in the Apple documentation you're probably doing it wrong and I'm not sure how much I agree with that one per se especially with like Swift being newer and like less documentation out there on these things but I think it's an interesting idea to maybe like try every once in a while i will completely agree with your friend especially with swift because uh stack overflow has accepted answers and mm-hmm. those be, those bubble up to the top and they're now they're old so they're usually wrong oh that's yeah. true yeah. yeah that is true so uh, yeah it, you have to take it with a huge grain of salt <laughs> yeah yeah your, your friend sounds very wise <laughs> so so gwen it sounds like this keeps you very busy, but we're curious, what are your interests outside of development? What do you do when you're not working? Well, so I guess what got me into development was this idea of being able to have something in my brain that I want to bring to life. And I think that is kind of shared with my other interests. So I like writing my own songs. I like writing music and I like, um, I like writing novels or whatever and drawing. And I just like to create things, knitting, um, just having an idea and making something tangible. So actually currently I've written quite a few songs and I'm working on recording them and making demos and producing them with a friend so that like hopefully by the end of the year I can have an album out and be like, this is my music. Uh, Other than that, also doing a lot of exercise and yoga and hopefully I also want to do one chin up, like just one chin up and I'll be good. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. That's my goal for 2016. All right, all right, you and me together, let's email each other in December and be let's like, do it. did you get a chin up? I got a chin up. We'll be accountability buddies. I love it. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us, Gwen. Thank you for having me. What is the best way for someone to get in touch with you? Uh, my Twitter handle, which is at purpleyay. Excellent. Oh, can I also mention that if anyone needs like a purple hex code in their app, my favorite hex code is... A-157-E-8. Just, just throwing it out there. 
That's amazing. Thank you. (laughs) You can learn more about our conference by visiting our website at nsnorth.ca. Also, be sure to check out our new blog as we frequently post news and announcements there and on our Twitter feed at nsnorth. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time to meet another great speaker. Phil, how can people get in touch with you? That would be on Twitter, at Philip C. And Dan, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, Bess is on Twitter as well. I'm underscore Dan Byers. And I am at Adrian R-M, A-D-R-I-E-N-N-E-R-M, on Twitter. Or you can email me or any of us at our first names. Mine's Adrian at nsnorth.ca. See you soon. Thank you.